You're listening to The Paul Kurtman Show on News Talk STL. Good afternoon, St. Louis. This is Paul Kurtman here on The Paul Kurtman Show on News Talk STL. Been out for a couple of weeks. Leah has been in the studio last week with Susie Moore, mm-hmm. holding down the fort. It was a good show last week. I only got to hear part of it, but uh, um, good job, Leah. Um, but I got so much to talk about because two weeks has gone by, and I haven't really uh, kind of been out of the loop on some things I've been, as I've been taking care of some stuff at home. But the legislative session just wrapped up, so we're going to discuss that a little bit. Some of the winners and losers of the legislative session. There were some people that really stood out in Jefferson City. There were some issues that probably should have gone further, but they didn't. There was a huge problem in the decorum of the state Senate. As some might say, the decorum, I would say it was a, a strong uh, discrepancy in leadership, probably from multiple angles coming from multiple people. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. I've got a little bit that I want to talk about. As far as uh, St. Louis City, St. Louis City is an absolute economic crime-ridden disaster. We're going to talk a little bit about that and about the misguidance of uh, some of the people that are the lawmakers there in St. Louis City. And probably in the second segment, we're going to play a new game. As you know, if you if you listen to the show from week to week, um, I like to do a libs of TikTok segment. But I'm telling you what. I am getting so frustrated and so tired because every week it's the exact same thing on Libs of TikTok. Now, Libs of TikTok is a great Twitter uh, account that you need to be following. It's on Twitter. It's on social media. They might even be on Facebook. And all they do is they collect the lunacy of the left. They consolidate all these posts that people on the left are making, and they put them all in one location. Twitter tried to ban them for it, which is just completely nutty because these people are already posting their stuff. Libs of TikTok is just bringing it all to one location. But the problem is, is every week it's almost the exact same thing. And uh, we'll still do Libs of TikTok from time to time, but I can't keep doing it every single week when every single week what is dominating the social media feed of the left are these LGBTQ whatever teachers, these groomer teachers that are constantly in the school districts. These school boards that are pushing uh, this agenda, trying to sexualize children, that are trying to undermine the authority of the parents. It's just this, it's just that it's, it happens so much that it's the same thing every week. And so every Libs of TikTok segment is turning in uh, to these groomer teachers that are trying to undermine parents and try to con- trying to convince kids in your public schools that your children are really transgendered. Going so far as to have special counseling sessions with them one-on-one and then telling the kids to keep it from the parents. Like, it's the same thing every week because it's happening so much. Um, but when we only have one hour here at News Talk STL, I, I don't want to spend a whole segment on the same issue every week. I wish Libs a TikTok. I wish there's and there is. There's like There's a lot more from the left. But unfortunately, right now, what is dominating the left, like their drive is to spread all this propaganda to kids as young as four years old inside of kindergartens and grade schools across the country trying to tell four-year-olds that boys aren't boys, girls aren't girls, and uh, you might not, if you're a boy, if your parents told you were a boy, you might not be a boy, you might be a girl. So we're going to do something else in the second segment. 
Um, we're going to play a game that's kind of, I think, just in line with Libs at TikTok. We're going to play a game called The Bee or Not The Bee. And uh, we're going to read off some headlines. And Leah is going to be contestant number one on a game that I just invented last night. And uh, we're going to read off some headlines and we're going to find out which headlines are from the Babylon Bee and which headlines are not the Bee. So this will be fun because... Uh, That's le- very creative of you. Isn't that pretty good? Yeah. The Bee or I'm, not the Bee? I'm impressed. You like that? Yeah. Okay. Actually, I don't want to take all the credit for that. Some of that credit was my wife's. Some of it was her idea. I was telling her, I was like, I need to do something other than Libs at TikTok because the same thing every week. She's like, you should do something like with the Babylon Bee. And that's when it hit me. The Bee or not the Bee? Because you know, Seth Dillon, the owner, the founder, of the, or the owner of the Babylon Bee, he has another website called Not the Bee. Mm-hmm. So we'll read off some headlines from either one. And you can guess, Leah, you can guess which is which. Great. All right, if you want to find some of the links to some of the things we're going to be talking about today, you can go to paulkirtman.com, scroll all the way to the bottom, you'll see the radio tab, and today is radio number 47. So the first thing that I want to talk about right now, St. Louis City. Leah, I don't know if you're aware of this. Are you familiar with the AT&T building? You know where the AT&T building is? Right downtown here. I think it's on Pine, maybe. It's one of the it's one yeah. of the taller buildings. I mean, I've seen it. I'm not real familiar with it. Yeah, it's everybody. If you've been downtown, you've seen the the old AT and T building. It's one of the taller buildings in the city for sure. But it also happens to be the largest office building in the whole state. Oh wow! So the largest office complex, the largest office park, the largest office space is the old AT and T building right downtown. Well. It was built back in the 80s, I think maybe 1986, but just recently it was sold. I don't know who it was sold to, but recently it was sold. The last time it was sold was in 2006, and in 2006, I got it right here, in 2006 when the building sold, it sold for $205 million. I did a recent Kurtman's take on this. I'm going to talk about it a little bit more. It sold for $205 million about 16 years ago in, in 2006. Do you know how much it just sold for? No. If you had to take a guess, <clears throat> just guess. It so, so 16 years ago, it sold for $205 million. We're talking about a skyscraper in downtown St. Louis. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Um, you Two, said $205 million? It sold for $205 million in 2006. Oh, gosh. I don't know. A billion? A billion. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm not good with money or stuff, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, here's the thing. You're on the right trajectory. Most people would think that buildings would appreciate, especially with inflation, you'd see a higher cost to something. Mm-mm. You know, what it, you know what it's selling for now? What? $4.1 million. Oh, wow. $4.1 million. So, in 2006, a building, the, the biggest office building in the whole state is right here in downtown St. Louis. They had to cut the price by 98% just to get it off the market. It is on sale 98%. If you were looking to buy a house and someone's like, hey, here's a really beautiful house, it's a really nice house, or here's some clothes, you know, it's what you're looking for. Oh, and by the way, we need to get this to move, so we're going to let it go at 98% off. You would think, wow, what a steal, right? But what that also tells us, though, is it tells us this. It tells us that they're having a hard time getting people to invest in downtown St. Louis. Nobody, nobody's wanting to put their office space in downtown St. Louis. 
Businesses are not wanting to put their people or their um, office material or their their have their meetings in downtown St. Louis, biggest office building in the state, and they could not move it off the market until they reduced its price by ninety eight percent. That is not a problem with the market. It's not a problem with the market. There's still people out there that are looking for business space. They're looking for room where they can move all their employees and their materials and their supplies, places where they can hold their meetings. They're still looking for places like that. And I'll give you an example. Just a couple months back in Chesterfield, there was an office park that sold for $68 million. $68 million in Chesterfield. So businesses are still looking to buy and sell office buildings. Office spaces are still in demand, so much so that people are willing to spend $68 million. But nobody wants to touch office space in St. Louis City. Can't imagine why. I think it has something to do. (laughs) This is how bad it has to be, Leah. City leadership has to be so bad, or crime has to be so bad, or taxes have to be so high that somebody who's looking for office space would say, you know what, we could buy that. We could buy that whole building, that AT&T building. We could buy it. We could buy it for maybe $10 million or $68 million or $70 million, but we don't want to be in St. Louis. So instead of spending $4.1 million on a whole huge, tall, skyscraper-like building, instead of spending $4.1, let's get one, let's get like one-tenth of the space and spend $68 million on something that's only one-tenth as big. The trade-off is this. We don't have to be in St. Louis. St. Louis City is becoming the armpit of Missouri because of the crime, because of the woke politicians, and there's more to it. There's more to it. I want to follow up that with this. You would wonder, you would think, you would think to yourself, if this is the problem in St. Louis City that businesses don't want to invest. We have buildings sitting vacant. They're losing population. You would think to yourself that a reasonable person would say, what do we have to do to attract people into the city? But that's not what they're doing. So recently, the board of the St. Louis Development Corporation they, I think maybe last year, they fired two of their employees uh, that were in charge of their public relations. It was their public relations team. This is what the public relations team was spending their money on. First off, St. Louis City got lots of stimulus money. All they had to do, the Board of Aldermen, the mayor, all they had to do was decide where does that money go? We found out that they decided that they want to spend some of that federal stimulus money that's used supposed to be used for COVID relief. Tashara Jones made this big deal about uh, Attorney General Eric Schmidt getting uh, suing, trying to get rid of these mask mandates and these curfews and these close-your-door mandates you know, for businesses during the COVID pandemic. So she has this big press conference down in City Hall, and they've all got their mask on. They're like, no, well, we're still going to be doing this. We're still going to be doing this. This is a pandemic, and we got to care for the people. And, you know, they made a big deal about how much they want to end the pandemic, and people have to follow the edicts and the mandates of the government. So you would think that a reasonable person getting COVID relief money from the federal government would say, hey, we know that these businesses have to shut their doors because we forced them to shut their doors. And you know what? We got all this federal COVID money. 
stimulus money. So we're going to give it to the people who we forced out of business. But that's not what they did. Do you know what they did with it, Leah? I don't. Okay. (laughs) What they decided to do is they decided, hey, let's spend all this COVID relief money. Instead of giving it to people that suffered because we forced them to close their businesses, let's give it to people that didn't pay their taxes. So that way they don't have to get kicked out of their house. So so St. Louis City got all this COVID relief money, and they came up with a plan, their PR team. They paid people $150,000 to formulate a plan to tell the city how you should redistribute all that money that you got from COVID relief payments from the federal government. So they gave these these people $150, $150,000 to tell that just to come back and tell them, well, here's how you ought to pass it out. That should be, A, the job of the Board of Aldermen and the mayor, and B, what a racket that is. What a racket that is. If somebody wanted to pay me just to tell them how to spend their money, what a good gig that was, you know? They got $150,000 just to tell St. Louis how to spend their money, and it doesn't stop there. In an effort to try to figure out exactly how we can start bringing people back into St. Louis City, in an effort to try to figure out how we can bring businesses back into town, they decided to spend $800,000 on something called the Equitable Economic Development Framework. Now, I can tell you exactly how to bring businesses back into town. One, you lower the cost of doing business in St. Louis City. That means, um, and for all the talk about incentives and tax breaks, some people are for them, some people are against them. But one thing is true. Businesses will do business where the cost of business is lower. St. Louis City, it's extra high because there's an extra 1% sales tax. But the economic, or I'm sorry, the equitable economic development framework it has it set a goal of trying to bring 30,000 people coax them back into the city but the way they're doing it is they're doing it through economic policies that cater specifically to the left so in other words if you're white if you're any other race other than black or african american if you're any other race you might not qualify to do business in the city of St. Louis because you don't meet you don't meet Um, the particular demographic that they're trying to cater to. This is all in an effort to be woke. So Tashore Jones, the mayor of St. Louis, they've also recently created the, uh, the reparations fund, which is, this is great because the liberals have to put their money where their mouth is now, right? All this talk about paying reparations to people who may have descended from slaves or whose descendants were slaves, you know, two, three, four generations ago, at least, at least what? What are we talking about now? 150, 160 some years ago? The liberals now have a voluntary fund that they can pay into in order to pay reparations to black residents of St. Louis City. St. Louis City is on this path to become ultra woke. And all it's going to do is drive people even further out of the city. If you want to bring back jobs, if you want to bring back investment, fix the crime situation, prosecute the criminals, send them to jail... But give people their freedom back. Let them keep more of their own money. Make St. Louis a good place to do business, a place where businesses can thrive. Hey, we're going to come back here in the second segment. When we come back, we're going to start off with probably a little bit of uh, talk about the legislature, winners and losers. And then we're going to go straight from that to round number one, first contestant number one, Leah, in our new game, The B or Not the B. We'll be right back here at News Talk STL 1019.
This is the Paul Kurtman Show on News Talk STL. All right, we're back, and this is Paul Kerman on the Paul Kerman Show. And I wasn't going to do this, but during the break, Lee and I were talking. I was talking to Leah a little bit about her school because she's graduating not this year, but next year from college. Mm-hmm. What school do you go to? Lindenwood. Lindenwood. That's right. She goes to Lindenwood. Have you been to any graduation ceremonies at Lindenwood? Uh, no. That sounds boring. <laughs> I'm not even really looking forward to sitting through mine. So you know, I didn't sit through mine. I don't. I don't think. I think the last actual graduation ceremony I went through was my high school graduation. I did not go to my college, and when I got a master's degree, I didn't go to that either. Wow. They, I didn't want. I just didn't want to sit through it. Yeah. It might have been a bigger deal, you know, if my if more people were like excited about it, but it was just. I just didn't care. I just didn't want to sit through it, you know. Yeah. Um. But when but you know at graduation ceremonies, um, kind of the highlight of the graduation ceremony, other than the students getting their degrees is the commencement speaker. Normally, it's somebody from business or from politics or religion, um, some type of leader somewhere, you know, and they come out and they give you a big pep talk, like, all right, you're getting you're getting started in life. Go have a great life. Do amazing things. We're all counting on you. That's normally how it goes. That's not how it went last week. Last week, I went to a, a graduation ceremony. My niece was graduating, uh, 18 years old. Clara, if you're listening, I'm talking about you, obviously. 18 years old, got an associate's degree in business and went to graduate. And I went to the graduation ceremony and I opened up the program and I saw that the commencement speaker was the a, a woman um, who was also the pastor of a Lutheran church. And uh, when I read through her biography, it was obvious to me that she is from the super woke crowd. Her whole biography was about how she's a human rights activist and she's uh, she teaches classes and lectures on how to undo racism and how churches should be giving talks and lectures and doing more to fight racism. And uh, and I was thinking to myself, this Franklin County does not seem like a good fit for this type of <laughs> talk you know to students but i was really surprised For, actually i was kind of disappointed because it did i don't know i'm kind of torn on this i was happy that the commencement speech wasn't as woke as i thought it was going to be um uh, i was happy that it wasn't but part of me was like man i was really looking forward to like dissecting this on air but she did go far enough she told the students i couldn't believe what i was hearing she got up and she told the students she said Most commencement speakers will tell you all that you need to go out and do big things. Well, I'm going to tell you to do little things. And then she went into talking about how, you know, you need to be kind and help take care of people. And that's great, right? But whether you have a degree or not, everybody should be kind, Mm -hmm. right? And then she tells the students, um, you guys have already done a big thing. I'm almost quoting here. She said, capital B, capital T, big thing. You have already done a big thing. You got a degree during the pandemic. You don't have anything to prove to anybody. So don't think you have to go out and uh, do big things and try to change the world. Just invest in your community. Just invest in your community. Just take care of people in your community. Look, I don't think my parents, and my first of all, my parents really didn't pay uh, I don't know if they paid mine or anybody's college tuition, but I don't think most parents are paying college tuition just to be just to get a degree and be sent off with the uh, admonition to be nice. 
I think that people want their kids to go out and do big things. You know, they want them to do things that they otherwise would not have been able to do had they not invested in a college education. You're studying broadcasting and production, and do you think that you could just go out and go to work in a radio station if you did not have any type of background or training? Now, I'm not talking about from my end. All I have to do is open my big mouth into a microphone. On your side of the table, it's far more complex. Does that require some at least training? Does it does it require? Does it is it necessary to go to college? I'm kind of putting you on the spot here, but what do you think? Um, that's kind of a tough question, and you could probably ask several people that work here that question because people like me and Katie would definitely give you a different answer than Tony, who didn't go to college and still is doing everything he's doing. Um, but. I'd say for what I'm doing, you probably don't need a degree. I probably... Does it help? Does it help to study? It looks good. Okay. I mean, some of the classes I'm taking, I'm like, this is great, like video editing, and I'm definitely learning stuff that I wouldn't have been able to like teach myself, so... Well, one thing that a degree definitely does is it tells your future employers that you have some discipline. It tells your future employers that you have an interest in learning. It tells them that you can accomplish something, which I think is incredibly valuable. But if you got a degree that took you four years to get in broadcasting and production, you learned different things. You went out and interned. You went to work different places. And then all of a sudden, when it's all over and it's all done, if you just made the decision I'm not going to do anything that I, and people do this and there's not a problem with it. But if suddenly you decided, you know, I could go out and do something really big in this industry or I could just say, I don't have anything to prove to anybody. I don't need to, I don't need to even put this on my resume. People don't even know what I learned. I'm entitled to a job that, that would be a different story than people actually learning their way through school, learning their way on the job, and actually trying to help move an industry forward or move a company like News Talk STL forward. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, I don't think somebody like that would be hired here. <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. And so, which, and, which is kind of what I was thinking because I was telling my niece and I told some other people, I was like, just forget everything you heard. Like, if you study something and you work hard for it, like, have some ambition. Try to do good. Try to move the needle on of progress of your life, you know, to, to work all the way through something and then be told you don't have anything to prove to anybody. Everybody should always feel like they have something to prove, if not to other people, to themselves. You know what I'm saying? That's what makes people better. You do CrossFit. Mm-hmm. Do you go? Do you, do you advance in CrossFit if you just go in there with the attitude, I don't, I don't have anything to prove to anybody or myself, right? Yeah. It becomes competitive, right? Competition's important. I mean, for some of us, some of us have that attitude and, you know, it's just another workout for them. But I mean, I don't have that attitude. Mm -hmm. Well, even then, like if you're working out, if you're in the gym, you're doing it because you feel like you have to do it. There's something inside of you that's driving you to lift the weight. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think it was, I think it's the wrong message for a commencement speaker to say, hey, you don't need to lift the weight. You've done enough. All this money. And the thing is now is Joe Biden. Joe Biden, uh, these students are probably like, hey, this is great. Now we can get out of this and we don't have to pay off our student debt because he's wanting to wipe that out. Hey, let's move on. I want to talk about this a little bit, too. Let's talk a little bit about the legislative session. Legislative session in Jefferson City just wrapped up. I was looking at the Missouri Independent. They had an article titled Winners and Losers of Missouri's Raucous 2022 Legislative Session. And um, 
I'll tell you what, it certainly was a raucous legislative session. There's a dynamic in the state Senate right now between the conservative caucus and everybody else. So when I say everybody else, I am lumping the rest of the Republican Party in the state Senate and the Democrats all together. There are things that conservatives should have been able to get done this year that they were not able to get done. And people can say that it's the division. They can say that it's because the conservative caucus uh, was too hard-nosed. You know, there's too many lines in the sand. But everything rises and falls on leadership. And so just because you have conservatives in there um, that are taking a hard-nosed stand on some issues, whether it's critical race theory, whether it's a 7-1 map, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, the people who are the elected leaders of the state Senate, if you're the floor leader, you're otherwise some the, the majority leader, you have another position in the Republican caucus in the state Senate, somebody on that side of the aisle needs to be somebody who can build bridges, who can create bonds of trust, who can can have discussions with the conservative caucus members and actually begin to negotiate, hey, we might be able to help you get this done, but you're not going to be able to get this other priority that you have done. So tell us what it is you want and we'll see how it can fit into the overall agenda. So that way, when we all walk out of here at the end of the session, both the conservatives and everybody else who's not part of the conservative caucus can feel like they accomplished something. They can take something back home to their district or back home to their base that they've been fighting for. But that didn't happen. Didn't happen at all. I think probably the biggest fight during the whole legislative session had to do with the congressional maps. Um, I'll, I'll tell you right now, people wanted a 7-1 map. They didn't get a 7-1 map. And at the end of the day, I'm not sure the conservative caucus got as much out of the 6-2 map as they wanted. But nevertheless... A 7-1 map probably would have gone to the courts, and the courts would have just redrawn it, and then we would have gotten a very weak 6-2 map. And when I'm saying 7-1-6-2, for those that don't understand, we have eight congressional districts in Missouri. So when the conservative caucus wants a 7-1 map, they want a map that reflects seven Republican districts and one Democrat district. It's more likely we're only going to have a 6-2 map. It's, that was the most likely scenario that throughout this whole thing. If we would have gotten a 7-1 map... Checks and balances would have kicked in. The courts, it would have been challenged. The courts would have had an opportunity to redraw it. And then at best, we would have gotten a 6-2 map, but it would have been a weak 6-2 map. Very weak. We might have lost another Republican district. Who knows? So when we're talking about drawing maps, you're talking about risk management. And so the most of the legislative session was spent discussing or negotiating or debating or fighting really back and forth over whether or not we want a 7-1 map or a 6-2 map. And then in the middle of that, all these other issues that we're dealing with in schools, you heard me talking about it in the first segment, um, parents are being undermined by uh, critical race theory, by groomer teachers that are trying to indoctrinate kids uh, on the LGBTQ transgender agenda that we've seen all across the country that you can find on Libs of TikTok every single day. And then at the same time, we've also got um, uh, other issues going on. There's just so much issues going on in schools right now, in schools. One of them being the transgendered uh, students playing on other other teams. You know, if you have a boy that identifies as a girl, should he be allowed to play on girls' sports? I don't think so. These were issues that were brought up by the conservatives, and they didn't get any of these issues uh, done for themselves. They couldn't get any of these things done. In fact, in the Missouri Independent, in this article, in their winners and losers column, it actually puts in the winners column public schools. Why are public schools in the winners column? Well, when you actually read the uh, two paragraphs below it, it actually tells you, well, because the legislature wasn't able to block out critical race theory. So that's a score for public schools. 
the legislature was not able to protect girls from transgendered students competing on their teams. So that's a win for public schools. Here's one that should have been a no-brainer. We Charter schools are still public schools. They're private. They're, there's a lot of private resources, but they're chartered around, you know, they're, they're chartered around the public entity, the public process of a school. Charter schools are listed as a loser here. So score for public schools. In everything that we've seen related to schools, public schools, it's nothing but the status quo for the next year until the legislature can go back into session. And if you have a girl who's competing in girls' sports, um, she's not protected from having to compete against boys who identify as females. Also not protected from boys that want to go into a girl's locker room if they uh, actually identify as a girl. So whereas, whereas public schools are taking up so much of the debate in America right now, public schools have won in Missouri, government schools, I like to call them government schools, uh, because the people are not being represented in terms of policy where their children go to school are concerned. One conservative caucus member who's listed in the winner's category, though, is State Senator Andrew Koenig. Andrew Koenig is a good friend of mine. I actually sat by him on the House floor when we were both members of the Missouri House of Representatives. So Andrew Koenig, uh, no doubt a conservative, a fiscal conservative, a social conservative, but he's not just fiscal and social conservative, you know, kind of in that paradigm of where you fall on abortion and, you know traditional marriage, not stuff like that necessarily. He wants people to be free. That's why he's a conservative, not just because it's a social or fiscal issue, but he has an overall philosophy of freedom and he wants more people to be free. State Senator Andrew Koenig was able to kind of be that bridge builder between some of the members of leadership of the Missouri Republican Caucus and the rest of the conservative uh, conservative caucus in the state Senate. So Andrew Koenig, certainly a winner. He's still going to be in office here for another couple of years. Glad that he's there. When we come back, we're going to talk maybe just a little bit more about this winners and losers column. But then I want to do this segment. We'll do it next segment. The B or not the B. Contestant number one ever in the inaugural game, Leah Olmstead. And we'll be right back here in just another couple of minutes at the Paul Curtin Show right here on News Talk STL. You're listening to The Paul Kurtman Show on News Talk STL. Follow Paul on social media at Paul Kurtman. In addition to social media, you ought to go to Facebook, look up News Talk STL, make sure you like the Facebook page. Go to Getter, go to Rumble, make sure you follow News Talk STL on all the different platforms and make sure you go to the website and sign up on the email list too. Good information that comes out on that email and also there's good relevant message or a good relevant uh, material, content, articles, videos, everything else that comes out on the website, newstalkstl.com. So make sure you go there too. Hey, we're going to play the B or not to be. I can't, uh, see, I'm, I just messed it up. The B or not the B <laughs> here in just a minute. But I want to I want to touch on two more things from this winners and losers column uh, that the Missouri Independent put out in the losers column. They put out Eric Schmidt as a loser. Now, Eric Schmidt's also running for uh, United States Senate. Uh, a recent Remington poll has him in the lead. Um, but there's other polls that show him in a close second or close third to Vicki Hartzler or Eric Greitens. But they have Eric Schmidt listed as a loser. And why was he listed as a loser? 
Because most, they say here in the article, most of Schmidt's lawsuits have been dismissed as falling COVID numbers caused schools to lift mask rules on their own. But the fallout from the legal crusade continues. And when they say the fallout from the legal crusade continues, they're talking about the Republicans in the state Senate who stripped $500,000 out of the attorney general's uh, budget request because they didn't think. Specific, in particular, Lincoln Huff, who's a state senator from Springfield, um, definitely not a definitely not a Republican. He has a R next to his name, but he's he's not really a Republican. I wouldn't say he's a full fledged Democrat, um, uh, but he's certainly not a Republican. Absolutely not a conservative. He's the one that helped strip out five hundred thousand dollars from our attorney general's uh, budget request. But listen, when you have an attorney general who's fighting the good fight, it doesn't. If if times change and so th- things are dismissed, well, then I'm sure the attorney general's fine with that too. He just is bringing lawsuits on these schools who are you know bringing these mandates, mass mandates down on our kids. And yeah, if COVID numbers begin to fall and they lift these mandates, that's good too. We are trying to get the mandates lifted. So if it happens. Because because the COVID numbers change or because it's because Eric Schmidt is successful in court, then that's good. But the whole point of government, and this is really important for people to understand, you will often hear the left come after Republicans, and sometimes Republicans go after Republicans whenever they pass a bill that says, you know, the county can't do this or the school board can't do this. And they'll say, well, wait a minute. I thought Republicans were for local control. Now you're not. And they'll use that to try to push back against us what what it is we're trying to do. But in this case of Eric Schmidt suing these school districts because of their mask mandates, for example, the purpose of government is not local control. That's not the reason we have government. The reason we have government is to keep people free. That's the whole point. In fact, the opening words of the Constitution or the Declaration of Independence, I mean, the whole purpose of government is to keep people free. So even at local government levels like a school board or a city council, sometimes you can get real tyrannical people there that try to enforce mandates on people. And in that case, it is absolutely the prerogative of the state government to go down to their political subdivisions like school boards and cities and say, no, 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 you're not allowed to do this because that's taking away the freedom of the people. And that's what Eric Schmidt's doing. They have him in the loser column because uh, Republican, so-called Republicans pushed back against uh, some of his lawsuits. Um, I would put him in the winner column because he was doing what he said to do in spite of what the Republican legislature uh, was trying to do to him by taking away his funds to actually fight for people's freedom. Uh, They also have conservative caucus members as being in the loser column. But like I said earlier in the last segment, everything rises and falls on leadership. If you have a faction of the Republican caucus in the state Senate who falls into the loser column, you could you could very easily say, well, it's because the conservative caucus members are a bunch of losers. You could say that, but that'd be a very shallow thing to do. See, the leadership of the Republican state Senate they need to be invested in making sure all the Republicans come out of that session successful, at least to some degree or another. When you have Republican leadership in the state Senate treating the conservative caucus members as though they're the opposition and actually beginning to side with Democrats so that way everybody gangs up on the conservative caucus members, well, that's not a problem with the conservative caucus. That's actually a problem with the leadership of the Republicans in the state Senate. They should never, ever do anything with any other members of the Republican caucus that would have anybody putting Republican caucus members in the loser 
column. But that's what we see here because of the breakdown in leadership. It's been a failure of leadership. I would put leadership in the loser column on this article from the Missouri Independent. All right. Now, the moment we've all been waiting for. The B or not the B. We'll have to get like a little theme song for this. We should. Because I think this is this is going to be fun. Because yeah. this, this is going to cover a variety of issues. And it'll be entertaining, too. Because... It's the Babylon Bee. I'll work on that for you. All right. That'll be good. That'll be good. You should come dressed in a bee costume. Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> that might be a little too much. You should. Mm, no. I didn't think so. Okay. Here we go. So I've got here, I've got four headlines, and I want you to tell me whether or not you think this is the bee. In other words, is it from the Babylon Bee, or is it not the bee? Is it a real headline? Mm-hmm. Okay. You ready? Here's the first one. Elon Musk announces he is putting together a team of, quote, hardcore street fighter lawyers, end quote, to start suing people and promises, quote, there will be blood, end quote. Is that a real article from the or is that a fake article? Is that the Babylon Bee or is that not the Babylon Bee? I think it's the Babylon Bee. You think that's the Babylon Bee? Yeah. Wrong. That is a real headline. Elon Musk announces he is putting together a team of what he calls street fighter lawyers to start suing people. And he promises, quote, this is Elon Musk, there will be blood. He actually tweeted it out. Uh, uh, he has a whole list of uh, of tweets right here. If you want to see all the tweets that Elon Musk put out, go to paulkirtman.com. Go to radio number 47. You can actually click on that headline. Elon Musk announces that he's putting together a team of hardcore street fighters and pro- lawyers and promises there will be blood. That is a real headline. So you're wrong. I need we need a we need a scoreboard here. Okay. Here we go. Are you ready for one more? Sure. Okay. Well, actually we're going to do three <laughs> more. We got enough. What time do we got to be out of here? What's our uh, clock look like? You're fine. Okay. <laughs> good good enough. All right. Here we go. The B or not the B. With formula shortage, more babies switching to whey protein powder. Oh, gosh. Is that the B or is that not the B? With formula shortage, Uh, more babies switching to whey protein powder. Is that a real headline or a false headline? um, Babylon B? (laughs) I mean, I I don't know. (laughs) I want to say that. Because, I mean, it sounds ridiculous that they would be switching, but I know there's a shortage, and maybe I don't I don't know anything about babies, so I don't know if that's <laughs> not good for them or if They it, would be shredded. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> I guess I'm going to go with the B. All right. Ding, ding, ding. Good job. Thanks. You got it. That is So now you got your, your up one and down one here. So here we go. Okay. Dr. Fauci recommends stopping spread. Have you heard of the monkeypox? That's like the new virus that's being hit the U.S. It looks terrible. (laughs) So Fauci, here's the headline. Fauci recommends stopping spread of monkeypox by covering eyes, ears, and mouth. The B or not the B? I'm going to go not the B. That is the B. That is a Babylon B article. Fauci recommends stopping spread of monkeypox by covering eyes, ears, and mouth. And, of course, the imagery here are those three monkeys. Remember that famous painting of those three monkeys covering? Yeah. Yeah. 
That's kind of the joke here. Oh, okay, I wasn't even thinking of that. Yeah. I just thought that sounds like something okay. he would say. Well, you're, you're up one, <laughs> you lost two, and you're up one. Great. So I've only got one more, so we've only got four headlines here, so uh, we could. Uh, this could be a tiebreaker. Or this, we might need a tiebreaker. I don't have to find one. Here's the last one. The B or not the B? Headline is, study shows Democrats turn more... <laughs> Study shows Democrats turn more conservative when given testosterone treatment. <laughs> the B. <laughs> eh, wrong. Actually, this is a real headline from a real study. Uh, a study from Claremont revealed a fact that is not surprising to almost anyone. If you give testosterone to Democrat men, they become more conservative. Okay. That is a real study. <laughs> okay. That's a real headline. And what I love about you got to click, people, go to paulcarman.com, scroll down, radio number 47, find that headline, click on it. Because on the website, the uh, the, the GIF that they have, um, who's that guy? Brian Stelter from uh, uh, CNN? This guy right here. Oh. This guy? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if anybody can say that online. Um perfect example does this guy look he looks like he needs some testosterone he does doesn't yeah. he and I bet if he had some he'd probably become more conservative okay probably almost anything would make Brian Stelter more conservative yeah alright so that is the B or not the B we only did four today but you got one right and four wrong so I think this could actually be this yes. could be a, this will be a fun game you should to be give playing. me a punishment like oh, man see I haven't thought that far ahead like what what do you get if you win do. what do you get if you lose and we need to we'll have more contestants maybe we can have people call in yeah and we can play online for something you know I think this is pretty good I've, I'm pretty proud of myself for this and my wife I she helped me out she she said you need to do something with the B and this is it the Babylon Bee. But listen, I really think that this whole thing about giving uh, Democrat men, giving liberal men more testosterone, this is something we need to talk a lot more about. I think that if we need to take back, <laughs> if we want to take back the country, maybe we need to start implementing, maybe we need to go out to uh, um, some food companies uh, who are upset with high taxes. Maybe we need to go to uh, some organizations that help feed people that are upset with the woke culture and say, hey, here's all we have to do. All we have to do is get people registered to vote and make sure that we can give them a little bit more testosterone. That way, we can literally eat our way into taking back America. Does that make sense? Yeah, she's nodding. She's nodding, yes. yes. Uh, there's a microphone there, but she's nodding, yes. So <laughs> I think it's a pretty good idea. All right, so I don't know what's going to lie ahead for the rest of uh, next week, but between inflation and the market and everything else that we're going to be experiencing in the next week, we're going to have a lot to talk about next week. I'm working on a guest that we're going to bring in to keep with us uh, for the full hour next week. Um, uh, I'll probably be updating that on my Facebook page. But listen, the market, and I don't know how much you care about this, Leah, your parents might care about this more, maybe your grandparents more, uh, but just yesterday, the market actually dipped down to below, the S&P 500 dipped down below 20, negative 20% for the first time since March 2020. Now, in March 2020, the market dipped that low um, only because the government forced a recession by forcing people out of the economy by telling people to close their businesses. So before that, if you're looking at a correction, the last time the market went down that far was in 2008. And so we have a correction that's ahead of us that I think is going to be pretty significant, and I suspect 
President Biden's going to be talking a little bit about this over the course of the week. We'll talk about it next week at the Paul Kerbin Show. This is Paul Kerbin in the studio with Leo right here. News Talk STL.